You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Roy Thomas, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is Black Widow, Episode 1B, tackling the second half of the Black Widow epic collection called Beware the Black Widow. This is covering a period of the Black Widow from 1970, is it? Let's see, let me just check here. Yeah, 1970 to 1971. I am your host, Curtis Findlay. And I am your Black Widow co-host, Pierce Haley. And today we will be talking about Amazing Spider-Man 86, the Black Widow half of Amazing Adventures 1 through 7, oh, sorry, 1 through 8, and Daredevil 81. Yeah, so all of these contents make up uh, the Marvel premiere classics hardcover called Sting of the Widow. Uh, so that's been previously released, and it kind of makes up the back half of this epic collection as well. They 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 put it all together because this is when Black Widow kind of reinvents herself for the modern era. If you listen to our last episode, we talked about the origins of Black Widow in Tales of Suspense and her time sort of kind of on the Avengers, not really on the Avengers. And, uh, and then, she, yeah, it was a kind of a weird thing because she started off as a villain and she doesn't really know her place. She goes through this spy phase. She goes through this Hawkeye girlfriend phase and nothing really happens with her character. And then we had come to this point where it's clear that now people like the character and the staff wants to do something with the character. So we're going to give her a new, uh, a new costume. We're going to give her a new outlook on life and her own. We're going to start following her solo adventures. She actually becomes one of the headliners in that uh, series that you mentioned, Amazing Adventures. But man, there are some rough parts with this. I think the biggest thing is that this suffers from like four different writers in eight issues. It does suffer, yes. Yes, it does. It, it really shows that they didn't have the stories clearly mapped out in a clear direction. No, it's kind of weird because you would have thought uh, they're they're launching this new title and uh, and they really want to have Black Widow being a prominent character, but I, I don't know what was happening behind the scenes to cause all of these writers and even the artists, like there's no consistent team on this for more than like two issues. And it looks rushed. I thought uh, in most of these issues, the the art looks like they were up against a deadline and they just had to yeah. dash it off and, and <laughs> throw it out there. Yeah, really. It's just so bizarre. Um, and for some reason, though, Marvel keeps reprinting this story. And uh, and maybe it's because there is no real other great Black Widow story to reprint, uh, unless you get into the modern stuff. But if, as far as the classic stuff goes... Like this is kind of it for for a consistent Black Widow story. So they keep pumping up that pumping out reprints of uh, that Sting of the Widow uh, Marvel Classic hardcover and a trade edition of it, and now we have it here in the Epic Collections as well. And the poor quality or the lack of of vision is not going to deter us from jumping in and talking about this issue by issue. Now, uh, before we do that, right. though. I asked for comments on Facebook, and here's what has been said. Karsten says, I understand the criticism this volume gets, talking about the whole epic collection, because of the re- the the republication of her Avengers appearances. I actually like to have her early outings all in one place, and unlike the Silver Surfer volume, the, uh, Silver Surfer volume one, Black Widow's first volume makes up for a double dipping by including the Amazing Adventures story. And in all of this is an essential addition to the epic collection with great art by Don Heck, John Buscema, and Gene Colan. I'll agree with that. I, I like having all of the early appearances in one spot as well, especially since it would take a lot of reading to read all these full issues <laughs> of Avengers. Yes, which I just recently did for my podcast. And uh, it was a lot of issues because she covers, um, she only appears sporadically through a great number of issues. 
Uh, now, that's that being said, uh, the first Silver Surfer volume is completely double disc, but only if you are collecting all of the Epic Collections. If you are just a Black Widow fan and you're not buying the Avengers issues, then this isn't really double dips at all. Uh, it, right. It just depends on the way you're collecting these Epic Collections. JC also says, I love the fact that the Epic Collections do their very best to collect all the early appearances of a character, even if it means including only several relevant pages from a book and not the whole issue. Um, it sometimes makes for disjointed storytelling, but the completest in me appreciates it. He says, I thought it was great that late 60s, early 70s Marvel gave a female hero some solo spotlight in the Amazing Adventures title she shared with the Inhumans, but I thought they missed a great opportunity to add another a spy thriller title. At that point, they had already set up the fact that Widow was a trusted undercover operative for S.H.I.E.L.D. I would have liked to see more tales of her being a female James Bond, jet-setting all over the globe. Instead, we just get another hero swinging around New York looking for trouble. That's very true. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that, too, definitely. Uh, it would have been good to see stories that were more tailored to Black Widow's character and, and her skill set, you know, instead of just another long underwear type swinging over New yeah, York. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, he also says that these stories did hold my interest, though, particularly because they seem to be ripped from the headlines with the social justice youth story and the Charles Manson-like astrologer who uses indoctrinated teens to do his dirty work. That's an interesting comment. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, I didn't either, but he's right. I, I do think they were trying to be very timely mm -hmm. with these stories. Uh, and it's it's a shame it didn't work out because it, it could have been a really cool, exciting book. Yeah. Uh, one other thing he says here, uh, like most Marvel characters of the day, Widow gets her own source of monthly angst in her concern over her Widow's curse, where she's worried if she's doomed to cause the death of men who get too close to her. Um, that was an interesting little bit there, too. And JC says that got old quick, and I hope it doesn't stick around too long into volume two. <laughs> It, uh, I don't think it's in volume two at all, because that volume is very far removed from this volume, as far as the content is concerned. That really bugged me, too. I have that in my notes that uh, we'll, we'll talk more when it comes up. Sure. But, yeah, that's that's a pet peeve of mine when heroes want to take responsibility for everything bad that happens. Oh, I'm <laughs> cursed. I'm yeah. just bad luck. Jim says, when Ramita gave her a remodel and they gave her a supporting character, Ivan the chauffeur slash assistant, that was the birth of the modern Black Widow. In rereading the Amazing Adventure stories, you can see where she was trying to get away from her spy past and dedicate to uh, and dedicate to helping the common man, a theme that continued when she joined the champions six years later. I mentioned this last time that Black Widow keeps getting drawn to groups and organizations and then she keeps breaking away from them because I don't think she trusts herself and I don't think she trusts anyone else either. Yeah. Um, Sean says this was a weird one, sort of all over the place until we get to the solo adventures at the end. And I would argue that it continues to be all over the place, even through those <laughs> solo adventures. <laughs> Uh, last comment here uh, from Vincent. For diehard Black Widow fans, this collection makes total sense. For the completionists who make who likely make up the bulk of the Epic Collection base, it's drowning in duplicated filler. I, I don't know that the bulk of people who collect Epic Collections collect all of them. I think that um, in, in my Facebook group, there certainly are a lot. Um, but my Facebook, my Facebook group attracts the people that would collect all of them. But there are probably lots more out there who are only picking up sporadic epic collections here and there. Right. Um, even I only collect certain titles. I don't collect all of them. Right. I collect a lot of them, but yeah, not everyone. Uh, Vincent goes on to say Marvel went all in on Black Widow reprints for the film and it's understandable they didn't want to or it's understandable they didn't cannibalize themselves but a paperback reprint of the Sting of the Widow Marvel premiere classic would be the ideal complement to the more worthwhile second epic uh, epic volume. Uh, yeah, and they, you know what, because the movie has been pushed, then they'll be looking for more Black Widow content to mine when the movie does eventually come out. I bet we will see that, that, that paperback Sting of the Widow. We probably will. Yep. Uh, okay, so he also says actual content, just fine. Finally gets her solo run in Amazing Adventures and juggles between four writers and three pencilers telling unspectacular tales. The Jack Kirby and Neil Adams Inhuman stories that she shares billings with in the Amazing Adventures title uh, were leaps and bounds more interesting and not in epic format yet. But they are in the 
uh, Inhumans collection called The Origin of the Inhumans, uh, which is, um, or is it the second volume? I can't remember. It might be in the second volume called Beware the Inhumans, which are basically epic collections, but they just don't have the epic collection trade dress. They are really, really good Mm -hmm. books. Okay, so that's all the content we have for our listeners. Thank you, everybody, who wrote in. And uh, let's see here. I think we should move on to our issues. You ready, Pierce? I'm ready. Okay. The first thing we're going to talk about today is Amazing Spider-Man number 86. So you know when you're watching uh, original Star Trek and you come across the episode Assignment Earth and it starts as um, an episode of Star Trek and then quickly shifts the focus to these other new characters and then... Uh, the whole episode is like not a Star Trek episode. And you find out later that it's eventually because this episode was meant to be a backdoor pilot for a new TV show. And they just wanted to kind of ca- capitalize on the popularity of Star Trek, which is kind of silly because <laughs> it wasn't actually that popular when it first aired, um, to, in order to try and sell the new TV show. Well, that's what they're doing here in Amazing Spider-Man number 86. Black Widow appears and she is going, she's reinventing herself. She's tired of the her old costume and she's, reminiscing about her past and wants to make a new name for herself. And she thinks to herself, you know, I have all of these spider powers, spider-like powers, but how does Spider-Man get his powers? And how can I be stronger than Spider-Man? I think I am stronger than Spider-Man. I'm going to go beat him up and test it, test that out my theory for myself. And it's kind of a big Black Widow story. And, and then she leaves and there's a little note at the end saying, uh, what does Stan say here? Or is it Stan? Let me see. Who wrote this? I think it's Jerry Conway, actually, right? Uh, oh, no, it's Stanley. Yeah. Uh, no, Stanley. Yeah. So Stan, Stan says, and if you've guessed uh, this was our sneaky way of whetting your appetite for the appearance of Black Widow in her own monthly strip, Amazing Tales, on, on sale early in May, you were right, Perceptive One. <laughs> this is just a backdoor pilot for Black Widow's new ongoing series. It definitely is. And th- this is the real birth of the character. Yeah. You know, she's on her own and she's got the right look. I I told you last time I wasn't fond of the magician's assistant costume, but now <laughs> we see her with the red hair and she's got the the black bodysuit that it just reads a sexy spy, you know, this completely black bodysuit like, you know, Mission Impossible or or the British TV show The Avengers. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Sexy spy or cat burglar kind of a look. It it just so suits her. It suits her, her skills and her, you know, athleticism. I think it's a a very appropriate time to change uh, because Marvel itself and just society in general is going through a a, a societal difference. Uh, Like things are happening in the world and Marvel's changing because uh, this is now the 70s and they get to... uh, you know, their distribution deal is different so they can expand the number of titles they have. So they're trying new things. And this is where the monster books come out and and all of these superheroes get their own titles and stuff. And so, yeah, Miss Marvel's another one who comes out and, and She-Hulk all around this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. they, these more prominent female characters coming to the forefront and taking center stage. And so to see that, I think, is um, is really cool. And as far as this issue is concerned, personally, I never made comparisons between her and Spider-Man reading through those early Avengers stories. Even when she got her powers of walking up walls and her the, the little uh, web line that she shot, never once did I think, oh, she's just a female Spider-Man. Me neither. <laughs> Maybe it's because she's so different personality-wise. Yeah. And so, but so that struck me as odd when she comes to that conclusion herself. It's like, I'm pretty much just Spider Man. Uh, I need to prove myself as equal and uh, and all this kind of stuff. It's like, you don't really need to do that. You've already kind of proven yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'll even say it doesn't really make, make sense for her to do that. Yeah, I don't think so either. And especially since like she's trying to be a hero, why does she go into a fight with Spider-Man and not explain herself and like just try to beat him up? And like he's going to, of course, act aggressively back because he she's just attacking him for no reason. Right. She attacked him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure she could find out the information she wants through a reasonable conversation. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> but that's not how they do things in comic books. No, that certainly isn't. Heroes have to have this understanding and fight yeah. each other. <laughs> Now, I did appreciate the John Romita artwork in this. I think he draws Black Widow absolutely stunning. And oh, yeah. that is really, really good. 
Um, Beautiful. But it's just a kind of a weird, weird issue. It doesn't really, I mean, it only teases us with, with her new costume and her new powers, but it doesn't give us any sort of context as to what's going to happen in her own magazine or or anything like that. Right. Not much actually happens no. plot-wise. And, you know, we just get her, her thoughts a bit. Okay, I'm ready to, to break away from S.H.I.E.L.D. and Avengers and be my own hero. But, yeah, not not a lot. Yeah, I think the the if you were reading this uh, on the newsstands as things were coming up, the only thing that would be worthwhile to read would be the two-page recap of her life to find out where she's come from right. now. Because they, they do a good job of kind of summing up the highlights. Yeah, they do. It's concise, but tells you what you need to know. Yep. Okay, but, you know, I think we could probably just leave that aside and move on to our next issue, if you're ready for that. All right, so Amazing Adventures number one. So Black Widow decides to help her housekeeper's son, who's borrowed money from criminals. And she wants to just take out her checkbook and solve it the easy way, but housekeeper says, no, you know, my, my boy got into this trouble on his own. He's got to get out of it on his own. So she... Puts on a Black Widow costume and decides to take care of it the the adventuring way. Right. And that's uh, that's kind of about all we get here. It's yeah. Sort of just setting up the story to to continue from here. These are short issues because she's sharing the title with um, with the Inhumans, and so these are only ten page stories. Um, the what I found interesting about this issue, first of all, it's written by Gary Friedrich, who I think is known for his time on the Hulk and uh, Ghost Rider. I think he's one of the creators of Ghost Rider. Um, drawn by John Buscema, um, but I think very loosely, maybe just layouts and such with inks by John Verporten. Um, so yeah, sorry, the one thing that I find really interesting about this is that we get introduced to her supporting cast now, which includes her housekeeper. And includes her chauffeur, Ivan. What's right, her, what's that's, her house- that's significant. Her housekeeper's name is Maria. And this is something that we never really talk about in, in the Avengers issues, is that she has staff like this. And I often forget that she is very affluent, and she comes from wealth, and she values wealth. At least she did in the Avengers issues. Uh, she was very much like, I, mm-hmm. I love my life of glamour. And that comes off in these issues. She lives in a penthouse suite at the top of a, of a, um, a high-rise. She has a Rolls Royce with a chauffeur. She has wait staff and like it's just a you get the real feeling of the life that she lives and that the life that she's comfortable with. I, I do wonder where she gets all this money, though, because she defected right, yeah. from the Soviet Union. You know, they wouldn't let her take her money with her. That is true. And she doesn't really have a job or anything that we know about. <laughs> I guess she just robbed a lot of jewelry stores when she had Iron Man's gravity ray. <laughs> yeah. And inve- made smart investments. And now it's, um, <laughs> yeah, now she can afford all this nice stuff. But, but yeah, that's kind of all we get through this issue. Um, I find it odd that this woman, the housekeeper, she says... I'm really scared for the life of my son. I think he's going to be killed by gangs because um, because he owes the money. And mm-hmm. she's so worried. And then Maria says, uh, don't don't pay for it. This is my son. He needs to get out of this himself. It's like, that's kind of an about face attitude there. <laughs> right. <laughs> like if you're literally concerned for his life, then maybe you should ask for some help uh, or like right. don't just leave, I mean, <laughs> don't leave it up to your son. If you don't want to take charity, you yeah. know, pay her back somehow. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I do love this splash page with this kind of action montage and the spider. Mm-hmm. It sort of makes me think of the uh, opening credits to like an action TV show or something. Oh, absolutely. You know? this, this, this page needs a theme song. Yep. You can just hear a 70s action theme song uh, in the background <laughs> yeah. there or something. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I think that's perfect. It, it, it also sets the mood for what we're going to see in here. It's going to be a lot of Black Widow taking care of business. And we get a lot of that in the... in. Actually, we don't get that in this issue very much at all. We get it a little bit at the end. But we get a good display of her powers as she has also in her penthouse suite, um, like a, an Olympic-style setup of uh, gym equipment <laughs> that she can train with. Um, That's one thing I like about Marvel Comics is that they show heroes training a lot that, you know, you don't just have these skills, that you have to work to have these skills. Right. Yeah, totally. Well, let's keep going over to issue number two. This one's called The Young Warriors. 
Uh, same creative team on this. We get another great splash page, uh, like you mentioned before, that looks like it could be a an action theme, a theme song to an action show from the seventies or so. In this yeah. issue, the Black Widow uh, decides to uh, to to help out the Sun. Um, well, it starts to get confusing though because last issue. They said he was in trouble. Carlos is his yep. name. Was in trouble because he he borrowed money from dangerous people. But now in this one, he's it's something different. It's true. He is the leader of some sort of group of young adults or or, or teenagers or something that are going to overtake this building that is um, that is used as the headquarters for a political uh, candidate who is apparently a really really bad guy. Although we never hear why, really. (laughs) Exactly. As far as I can tell, Carlos is completely in the wrong here. He's just taking his his gang and like, all right, we're stealing your building. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) they make allusions that this guy has some sort of mob connections and like they pull out guns on them and everything and stuff. But, but yeah, like where, what are the what about these people who were after Carlos in the next in the previous issue? They're just uh, they're gonna forgive, I guess, or. Or is this the person he borrowed money from? And now he's not only not paying him back, but he's stealing his building too. <laughs> right. Because I don't know if the people in the, that Widow took out at the end of the last issue, if those are the people that were the that were after him. Uh, I mean, they were after him. They came and tried to kidnap him. But I got the I thought that they were just kind of like stooges for the person he really um, that he really owed money to. Right. And Black That's Widow, what you'd be led to think. Yeah, and so Black Widow takes him out, and it's like, well, that takes care of the this sort of problem. But now we have a completely new Carlos, who has a completely new attitude. And he's like, he's not scared and he's not uh, cowering in the corner or whatever. And he's like the leader of this group of rebels or something that are going to overthrow an entire building. Like, so strange. Completely different focus. And they want to do it to have a a breakfast program for kids, which is nice and all. But, you know, why not find a building that's not being used or, I don't know, try to raise money to rent a building? Why why do they have to take this this guy's Carola's building? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of strange. <laughs> but it serves to introduce us to um, another character. His name is Paul Hamilton, and he's a reporter. And he says that his newspaper is, not him, but his newspaper is reporting that Black Widow is aligning herself with militants, these uh, kids who are taking over the building. And that's bad news for her image. And uh, she wants to make sure that, uh, I don't know, she's not going to get a bad rap before she's even done anything as a superhero. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> they probably meant Paul Hamilton as a love interest for her if this series had gone on longer. Probably. Yeah, that didn't turn out at all. Uh, okay, so there's no. one page here, uh, which is page four of this issue, page 304 in the Epic Collection, where you get a nine-panel grid of her uh, working out. And I like the fact that there are just no words on this page. Yes. We only get treated to her visuals, and um, if this were, you know, Roy Thomas or somebody writing, I'm sure we would get some narrative through all of these panels explaining to us how graceful she is as she flings through the air or, you know, whatever, that kind of stuff. (laughs) But you don't need it. No, not at all. I think it's better without that. Yeah, I I think it's good. And that's one of the shifts that we see in Marvel Comics happening around this time is a little bit more reliance on the, uh, the, the artist to tell the story. Yep. Okay, issue number three. And this time our splash page is a Daily Bugle headline. Superheroine lines up with militant youth. And, you know, for once, I, I agree with J. J. Jameson because she, she's kind of on the wrong side here. And, uh, you know, a vigilante hero inserting herself into this situation is kind of making everything worse. Yeah. I must be getting old, you know, if I'm agreeing with J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> well, and but his motivations are like, uh, they're just like, oh, it's the female Spider-Man. So obviously she's bad. <laughs> well, yeah, of course he hates heroes, but he, he's not wrong you know, about yep. her lining up with the militant youth and, and causing trouble with these guys who just want to steal this building because the scarol is corrupt it's true but through this issue we find out that actually she wants to get in there to try and make sure the youth are not going to do anything they regret uh so they she she was going to go barter with them but before she can do that 
um, she's confronted in her own apartment by this guy um, who chloroforms her and takes her back to her penthouse suite. And he's got a mask on. He says his true identity is of little importance. Um, but uh, we are, but, but they're going to, I guess, just take her out of the picture so that she doesn't get involved with whatever's happening with the youth, which I think is kind of weird because I figure that these guys are on the side. Oh, no, because they think that she's aligned with the youth and they don't want her to, to help her out. I'm getting my story all mixed up here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's confusing. It's it is. It's easy to get mixed up because this is all over the place. This artist in this one is Gene Colan, and I, as much as I love John Romita, I really, really like what Gene Colan does in this issue, in, 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 in all of these amazing adventures issues. Really, really nice mm-hmm. stuff here. Um, I think his poses and his compositions are really nice. Uh, he just does a, an excellent job of giving us a nice dramatic uh, dramatic scene. So the scene in the on the third page of this issue where um, Ivan drives into the parking garage and they get out of the car, it's like, it's nice and moody and just yes. like you see the shadow coming up behind her and the chloroform and you don't need, again, you don't need any words for this. Gary Friedrich decides not to yes. script the scene and it plays out really, really nicely. It does, it does. Gotta draw attention to something here on page four, though. Carlos saying, if and when the police come, we'll stand our ground and fight for what's rightfully ours under the United States Constitution. That building is not theirs. They have no constitutional right to that building. (laughs) (laughs) That's just so weird. He's bringing bringing the law and the Constitution when he's he's totally in the wrong. Yeah, that is so strange. (laughs) Uh, Something else interesting about this issue on uh, page six, 317 in um, in the book where the, the Don, the bad guy, is, is telling Black Widow that the public becomes firmly convinced their actions were the result of a communist inspiration supplied by the Black Widow. <laughs> I thought that was a potentially interesting plot development that they don't follow up on is bringing up her communist past and you know having, having the public in general mistrust her because of that. Right. It, that could have been an interesting conflict, but it, that just fizzled out. That's all we get about that, really. I was sure that this masked person was uh, Hamilton. Uh, yeah, I was too. Like, why Why would we have that guy introduced in the last issue and then this guy with the mask on? If it, And, like, they both have blonde hair and stuff. And it's like, oh, man. But then the very next page, we see he's trying to call Black Widow while Black Widow is fighting the guy with the mask. So it couldn't have been, couldn't have been that guy. It's like, ah, oh, right. that's too bad. Missed opportunity to have some interesting uh, drama down the road there. Or at least let us wonder, you know, let us think it might be him. Yeah. But instead, we get to still wonder who it is. We just don't know who this masked man is at all. And we don't find out because um, in this issue, they tie up Black Widow. They manage to, to defeat her in her apartment there. And so uh, something bad's going to happen in the next issue. The mayor seems pretty reasonable. You know, I want to appeal to the young warriors to talk with us and reason with us. Confident we'll come to a meeting of the minds and our, their, their grievances can be lawfully worked out. But Carlos is so stubborn. <laughs> he doesn't even want to talk. They yeah. want us to give up. <laughs> we'll stand our ground and fight. Now, totally if, in the wrong. if these <laughs> stories really were ripped from the headlines, then there must be some sort of social context here that we aren't understanding. Um, especially, I think they make a big deal of saying that Carlos is Puerto Rican, and I wonder if that has something to do with it. Uh, I'm, I don't know if there is just some sort of cultural or societal thing that was going on at the time to inspire this type of a story. But yeah, it's here. They really don't make any argument, though, for Carlos's side. I mean, he's just completely unlawfully taking over this building. Well, I think Even we're if supposed he's doing it for a good purpose. Yeah, I think we're supposed to infer that uh, because he's doing it for a good purpose, he's a good person. Um, but yeah, he's going about this all the wrong way. Okay, so the next issue is called Deadlock, and this one is written by Mimi Gold. And that's a name that I am not familiar with at all. Me neither. Yeah, but with art by Jean Colon once again. Uh, Mimi Gold is very, very wordy. Uh, she adds a lot of text and a lot of exposition to the words. It's very uh, much opposite of Gary Friedrich, who was trying his best to stay out of the panels. But you turn to that right. first, uh, or sorry, the second page after the, the first page after the splash page. And there's just so much dialogue coming off of the TV there. And, you know, the the, whatever Hamilton is thinking when he's in the taxi cab, it's uh, quite a lot there. It's a good thing that they're they're nice large panels. Right. Yeah. There's word balloons all over this issue. Yep. 
But anyway, um, Widow is locked up in her apartment, and the bad guys are going to shoot her. And she actually gets out of this by herself. It's really good. Uh, she shows that she's very capable of, of uh, taking care of herself. And then Hamilton shows up, and they want to unmask the guy. But then they're like, we don't have time. We have to get down to City Hall. Uh, so they don't... Um, no, I guess that's actually a little bit later in this story where the, the masked man comes back. Hamilton creates a diversion with some smoke from his pipe and Widow knocks them all out. Yeah, and then she says that she wants to see who is the man behind the mask. Um, or rather, Hamilton says that in Black Widow's like, no, 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 we got to get down to the right. to the, the, to the whatever, the, the police barricade before they go in guns blazing and Carlos gets shot. So so they do that. And... Uh, and that's where Widow kind of goes in and saves the day. She goes in and brings out the kids, explains to them that they are they can't be doing this. And then they come out and they talk with the mayor. And the mayor's like, okay, you know what? We'll we'll do what you want to do. <laughs> well, we'll give you this building so that you can have your breakfast. And they're like, gee, that's swell. Thanks, guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no, Black Widow took out her checkbook and bought them another building. <laughs> Is that what they? They're oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, right. Next to the last panel, there the boys have left the building peacefully after being promised the use of a nearby building for their program by the Black Widow. By the Black Widow. So her first impulse was right to just take out her checkbook and solve it that way. That's right. Oh, so that's yeah. That they don't get in trouble for you know holding a building hostage. Um, I don't know if they were holding any people hostage. I think I don't think they were. But a lot no. of resources spent from the police department on uh, this barricade and negotiations and stuff. And the mayor's taking time out of his schedule. And they they're like, let's just shake hands and say everything's okay. <laughs> then the very last panel, we find out that the masked Don is Scarola. Like that, that's the lame reveal, though. I mean, who else could it be? Because they. They showed us early on that it wasn't Paul Hamilton and really who, who else? <coughs> right. <laughs> There's nobody else it could be. And the bad thing about this is now we're handing the next issue. We're going to hand it over to a new writer who is not going to follow up on this plot thread at all. Like he says, those kids will pay and the Black Widow will pay. And no matter how long I have to wait. Well, you know, to this day in 2020, we're still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> And he's going to be called in for a jury investigation. For what? I mean, we never find out what he did. That that's, makes him so corrupt or so bad. Yeah, it's so strange. But, oh well, I guess that's uh, that's the end of the first little story arc from these Amazing Adventures stories. And we can move on to Amazing Adventures number five. And it's called And to All Good Night. This is a Christmas story, although it doesn't really feel right. like a, a big Christmas story. This one's written by Roy Thomas. Gene Colan is here again as our artist. And this time we get Bill Everett. Was he on last time? Oh, yeah. Bill Everett was the inker last time, too. He was. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. I, I like them as a combo because we get the... I really... do, too. Although this still feels a little rushed. I, I think it, they needed a little more time. Yeah. And that could be. They probably are. and uh, Or maybe they're just not caring as much about uh, about these stories as they would about whatever they're working on. Um, but, yeah, in this one... Uh, this guy is going to commit suicide, this kid, by jumping off of a bridge. And Ivan saves him and uh, brings him back to, to meet the Black Widow. And I don't exactly know why he does this. Um, just, just, it's Christmas. Just, just because it's Christmas? <laughs> can't, can't let somebody kill yeah. himself on Christmas, I guess. It's like it's a wonderful life. We, we get there. some personality at, in with Ivan in this one. Right. Yeah, this is where we really first learn kind of really anything about Ivan because he's only been a name previously. He starts talking like an old movie character. Like that's where he, he learned English, <laughs> which I, th I think is a nice personality quirk. I like that. Yeah, he does lots of uh, kind of movie references and such. And the, uh, the and he's actually um, an actual part of Black Widow's team. He's not just a driver that um, doesn't really know what she's up to or whatever. Uh, in the first few issues, he kind of seems that way because he makes comments like, uh, Natasha, are you sure you want me to leave you here? This is kind of the bad part of town. Right. But in this <laughs> issue, he's fully aware of her ongoing crusade against against evildoers. And in fact, he's now a part of it. He is active in the in the adventure. Right. Which I like. Um, she, she needs somebody, you know, who knows everything about her and and who's working with her. Yeah, well, definitely. Every hero needs to have a supporting cast of some sort, and it's good to have Ivan. Right. 
he ends up being pretty a pretty fun character. Uh, on page five of this issue here, page three thirty eight of the Epic Collection, uh, we have an interesting note here. the The kid that she saves when he when he meets uh, Black Widow for the first time, he says, "This is a whole setup. You both have Russian names, but but he sounds like Brezhnev trying to do a bogey like Humphrey Bogart, and you got almost no accent." And so that was interesting to me because I I guess when I read Natasha in my head, she she never does have a Russian accent, but yeah, when she first affected, she probably right. did. Um, yeah, definitely at first, I could see her having one. You know, when she came in as a bad guy and femme fatale and but tells she, the suspense. She spent lots of time training to not have the accent so she can be an undercover agent. Which makes sense. Yep. Um, okay, so this whole story, we it, a lot of it is told in flashbacks. There's this guy whose name is the astrologer, and he is, uh, um, I don't know if he's hypnotized or he's just become a, a very charismatic person. He has all of these kids who are, or teenagers who are uh, doing dirty work for him, like robbing and thieving and all this kind of stuff. And this kid wants to get out of it, but if he does, he doesn't really have much to live for, so that's why he wanted to kill himself. But his past is going to catch up to the Black Widow, and pretty soon they have like a rooftop fight against these guys who are after this kid, and one of these guys is going to kill Black Widow, and the kid um, saves her by pushing this guy off the edge of the building, and he goes down with her, down all 22 stories, and splat on the ground, he dies. And this is where we get the very beginning of the Black Widow fearing that she is a she's cursed, that people who get close mm-hmm. to her um, just just meet death, like a like an actual Black Widow always kills her mates or whatever that kind of thing. This is definitely the most emotion we've ever seen out of her at this point. The very last three panels there, where she's calling in the incident to the police. Yeah, that's true. She's been a pretty cold character. I mean, when she quit being Black Widow in Avengers and decided just to be, I don't know, a regular person in her fancy apartment, uh, she was happy. And that was kind of the most emotion that we'd seen from her up until that point as well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, this is an interesting change here because she's very, very distraught over the death of this kid that she just met like earlier that day. And the the astrologer's cult is is kind of interesting, and I I can see how that was very timely. You know, at this time there there was Charles Manson's murder cult and yeah um, Jonestown massacre and all that. Why people would be afraid of these fanatical cults? But re- reading it today, I mean, they just kind of look like a bunch of hippies. They don't really look scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't really play up that as effectively as I think that they could. And part of that I think is the the. The page count being so small is they don't really have time to develop these characters at all. Uh, anybody mm-hmm. that comes just kind of has to come and explain their situation in some sort of narration or flashback, and then we move on because we only have 10 pages to tell these stories. Right. They could have spread them out over more issues, though. Yep, that's true. Okay, we're going to keep on going over to um, Amazing Adventures number 6. With Roy Thomas writing and Don Heck and Sal Buscema as artists. It's good to have Don Heck back. Uh, If you were reading this epic collection, he did pretty much the entire first half of this book, uh, the Avengers stuff. One of the creators of Black Widow. And I suspected in the last issue, uh, in in the last episode, that Don Heck was a really, really big fan of Black Widow and wanted her to keep coming back. So it's kind of cool, if that's the case, that he gets to be part of her more modern adventures as well. Mm -hmm. I still think the art looks a little rushed, though. Well, yes and no. I think that um, there is a lot of detail in in here, and the the compositions are full. Like they they pack in the people, and uh, and that's true. Like there definitely is a lot going on in these pages, uh, and maybe the rushing is just a, a result of uh, the inking that we're not used to. Salbisema doing the inking. Don Heck probably does maybe just some of the layouts and such. When you get closer to the end of the issue, is where maybe it feels a little bit more rushed, especially that last page. Uh, the faces, the Black Widow's faces, or just the fact that, you know, Ivan in the the bottom corner gripping the steering wheel doesn't actually look like he's gripping, which is something that Don Heck wouldn't do normally. Um, there is a def- there's definitely a stark difference between the first few pages of this issue and then the last few pages. I, just, I do think they, they mm-hmm. ran out of time by the end. But this issue is kind of a continuation a little bit, sort of, of the last story. Uh, continuation in just in the fact that she is 
still upset about the boy who died. Yeah, um, and but she's going to go after. Uh, I guess I don't know even know if it's the same cult because the astrologer is not really the part astrologer. of this story. Is the astrologer yeah. part of this story still? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah, um, he is. He's this bearded guy. <laughs> I'm getting them all mixed up. These these short stories here. I read it them so quickly. Looks different though. They col- they colored him with red hair last issue, and now he's got white hair. That's right. But yeah, so they're going to go after him, and she just kind of reflects on the death of the Red Guardian, her husband, and the death of this other kid, and um, just yeah, she's like, I'm cursed, and she just is kind of moody through the whole thing here. This really bugs me because it's it's taking away agency from these other people. I mean, both the Red Guardian and this unnamed kid chose to sacrifice themselves to save Black Widow. And that's a very brave, very heroic thing to do. And her saying, oh, I'm cursed. You know, it's my fault. They died. That's taking away their heroism and their choice. That's very true. Yeah. And it's giving her unnecessary guilt and uh, yeah, I don't know. She can definitely feel sad for them, but not the reasoning right, that sure. she's she's giving. Yeah, you know, or even a little guilty. You know, thinking, well, there, I should have been able to find a way to save myself and them, so they wouldn't have to make this sacrifice. But just you know, totally taking the blame. It it almost seems narcissistic. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's all it's all me. <laughs> And the big fight with the Astrologer's gang at the end of this issue here, which also um, the Astrologer's gang doesn't look like a bunch of hippies in this one. They actually have like uniforms and they're all clean cut and look normal. (laughs) So we have a big difference there. But uh, during this fight, Ivan actually gets in the action as well. He's fighting alongside her and seems to uh, be able to hold his own. Oh, he's actually flinging people around there on on, uh, page uh, six. Yeah, almost with superhuman superhuman strength. (laughs) Um, <laughs> and this is where I think you can see Don Heck. Uh, he never was really the strongest with his action sequences um, compared to when you talk to like uh, John Romita or, or Gene Colan. I think they do better job with the action. So some of this stuff mm-hmm. is a little on, more on the stiff side, but uh, it's still fun. It's still fun to see. And in the end, uh, the astrologer, he gets away so maybe we'll see him again in the future who knows yeah, she, natasha could have used her widow's bite against the one of the cult members who's climbing in the helicopter but she's afraid he might fall to his death rather than land on the roof she doesn't want to risk killing him which is definitely a character shift for her yeah because even in that one uh, avengers issue you know she threatened the the, the one bad guy's life and right. and he knew she meant it that's true yeah um, but yeah, she definitely has a, a new so attitude here. A less here. deadly Black Widow here. But I think that that's also the way that they're trying to bump up the whole Widow's Curse thing. It's like, uh, do I really want to be responsible for another person's death, even though it's a bad guy? She just is, it, it's unnerving for her to be put in these situations mm-hmm. now. Well, the next issue is called, it's, this is Amazing Adventures number seven. It's called The Sting of the Widow. And now we have Jerry Conway as the writer, and we're still with Don Heck, and this time Bill Everett on as the inker. And I, you can see a big difference between Sal Buscema's inks and Bill Everett's inks. Bill Everett definitely puts a lot more uh, of a, a lot more detail into things like hair, uh, into things like um, just the feathering and the shading. Uh, he. Mm-hmm a lot more detail in the lines on faces and such, whereas uh, Sal Buscema is a lot more streamlined when it comes to those kind of things. Bill Everett brings a lot of personality to characters. Yeah. I like his inking and his penciling too. Mm-hmm. Um, this this one, th- we are still battling with the astrologer's henchmen in this issue, uh, but one of the interesting parts here is that Black Widow checks in on Hawkeye, uh, or Goliath, I guess he's called at this point. Right, she just kind of sneaks in like a stalker yep <laughs> just to take a look at her ex and that's just uh to to tie it into stuff that's happened in the past uh, she nothing happens she just leaves and hawkeye's like oh i thought i heard something but i guess i didn't and it's too bad that they didn't have a little reunion right here i wonder when the reunion yeah. does happen uh i don't know yeah probably takes a while so the astrologer has uh, red hair in this issue again. They swapped back <laughs> to old coloring, 
and in fact, the uh, the 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 astrologers goons are their costumes are colored differently too. So there's just a lack of consistency. I don't know. It's sloppy. Yeah. I think Stan was supposed to be editing these issues, but obviously he wasn't really paying close attention to what was going on here at all, <laughs> both story wise and art wise. Not a good sign. Nope. Nope. Not a good sign at all. Um, so the astrologer has captured some hematologist or something that that's that's kind of weird that that was his master plan to go to this blood bank and capture this scientist and hold him for ransom. Yeah, well, he wanted all the blood, right? He wanted the the very right to control the supply of blood. That's it. Yeah, because he had uh, he was he stole all of the the rarest type of blood. What type is that? Like O negative or something, right? Uh, not not sure. Okay, so but he wanted to to steal this really really rare blood so that he was in a position of power that he could use to to barter with. But in the end, uh, Black Widow they they during their tussle they fall into some water and he ends up getting blasted underwater by his own blasting his own gun, and he ends up dying. So and she again feels responsible for his death even though right. he was, was attacking her yeah. self defense <laughs> and his own gun exploded and and took him out. By the way, where did these hippies get ray guns? That uh, seems odd. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, that's the type of thing that astrologers have just lying around. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he calls her Madame Natasha. In fact, a lot of these people throughout this book call her Madame Natasha. Uh, that's something that they'll drop pretty quickly uh, after this. I think they just call her Natasha. That's kind of the last link to her Russian days and her Russian persona, persona and identity. But yeah, we can keep going over to Amazing Adventures number Amazing Adventures eight. Number eight. How shall I kill thee? Let me count the ways. By Roy Thomas, Don Heck, and Bill Everett. Yep. This one is plotted by Jerry Conway. So. Uh, Roy Thomas is just doing the scripting on this. Somebody needs to plot it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, okay, so in this issue, we are, um, Widow and Ivan are both caught by this guy named the Watchlord, and it's basically um, it, it's it's a trap that was set. I guess the the Watchlord made Ivan give her the location of this. Carlisle Hunting Lodge and uh, once she got there the trap was sprung. They kind of just bust in with the action and give us no real explanation as to why they're doing this. Uh, we get a well, little... He hates Russians. That's the thing. Is like That's that's his only motivation. You know, afraid of communists. He is a, a result of uh, of 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 uh, World War Two, when Russia came in and conquered or just trampled all over Germany, he's he's German himself, and he's now come to wipe out all of uh, anybody who has any sort of Russian roots. And of course, uh, even though Black Widow has defected, that doesn't mean anything to this guy. He's still going to go after her. And so Ivan and Black Widow kind of duke it out. And and here's another instance where uh, you know the guy tries to kill Widow. And he sends some boulders flying there on a mountainside. And in the end, the boulders end up crushing the this guy. Um, what did I say? Right. His name is Watchlord. Oh, no, my curse. Yeah, it's yeah. like she he, he undid himself and she still puts it on on herself as, you know, the curse. She's she's responsible for his death. I mean, she's got a lot to feel guilty uh, yeah, about. Right? But every single issue. Not this. <laughs> Um, and it's not even like now she's before it's like anybody who gets close to me, anybody I care for ends up dying. And she thought Ivan was going to die in this issue and she was going to take the blame for that too. But in this one, it's like, no, the bad guy. And in fact, the last issue, the bad guy dies. It's not just the people who are close to you. It's the people who kill, want to kill you. They end up dying too. And you're still, you still feel responsible (laughs) for that. (laughs) It's pretty tedious. Yeah, I, was it JC that said that trope gets old really fast? And I agree, it's getting pretty old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just find that the whole thing is quite uninspired. This issue here, uh, the I, I mean, we still have some great artists, Don Heck and Bill Everett, but there's like mm-hmm. just the the fight scenes uh, when she's tied up in the fire. It, they could go a lot more dramatic with it, but they decide to do um, a lot of close-ups, which I think is a sign of rushing when you do a lot of close-ups. Um, and a lot mm-hmm. of the action just isn't really 
really known. And so I want to draw your attention to page six in this issue here, page 372, where Natasha's tied up and Ivan is kind of hanging in the background. He's caught, but he's hanging. And we don't exactly know what's going on here. Um, Widow frees herself somehow, but the artwork isn't clear as to how she does it. And she's, she fires one of her widow's bites at Ivan, whatever's holding Ivan. But what is happening in this picture? It looks like something's going through Ivan's chest. It does, yeah. Like, that's not <laughs> like how he's, he's strung up. Impaled. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. And then we have this skinny one where it's just like, it looks like some sort of a burst or something. But we don't exactly know what that's supposed to be. And then Ivan is like i'm assuming he's falling down now but he looks kind of awkward i don't know it's just a lot of this issue is just uh very unclear as to what's going on and that's kind of part and parcel for what's happening all throughout amazing adventures here this is a very weak ending to the amazing adventures stories it really never really got off the ground yeah it's too bad yeah, this is the last issue. And after this, Amazing Adventures becomes um, only Inhumans. They get to take the full 22 pages or whatever it is for their stories. And Black Widow is canceled. And I think, you know, she really would have had a good chance at becoming a good character with her own ongoing series like She-Hulk or something. But they squandered this opportunity. They didn't they put did. They didn't put focus into it. And I, I don't know if you can blame Stan Lee for this because if he was really the editor, he wasn't doing a good job. He was not yeah. keeping track of what was going on. He was not There's guiding There's no clear the vision. Yeah. No vision at all. So strange. I wanted to like him. Yeah, totally. But we have one more issue in this collection here, Daredevil 81. And I'm not exactly sure why they include this issue here. It's also included in the Marvel premiere hardcover. So it's like considered part of the story. And it's like it's written by Jerry Conway and Gene Colan, who were the creative team who did some of the issues of Amazing Adventures, but it doesn't really fit either. So this issue is called And Death is a Woman Called Widow. And we uh, see that Daredevil is unconscious, like at the bottom of the ocean or something, whatever's happened in the last issue, which I haven't read, so I don't know, probably the cause of uh, the owl. But Black Widow happens to be driving by in her Rolls Royce, and she dives into the water and saves Daredevil. And this is kind of their first meeting. Uh, and it's going to be the, a very fortuitous meeting because uh, she will end up being a supporting cast for Daredevil for many, many issues to come after this. I guess that's why they included this issue, just because it's significant in her character arc and that this is the first time she meets Daredevil. Yeah, but then the second volume of the Black Widow Epic Collection doesn't have any of the the Daredevil issues. Like, you think that they would want to include some of those, maybe? I don't know. But, yeah, so we have a plan here. I don't even know exactly uh, what the plan is, but um, the owl is going to, you know, he's going on a little crusade to rob a bunch of banks with his cronies, and Black Widow gets involved in that, and eventually the police show up. And or Daredevil shows up to lend a hand, and uh, and the police want to arrest Dare, uh, Black Widow, but but they find out that the owl was actually in charge. There's actually not a whole lot that happens in this issue, um, even though it is yeah. you know full twenty pages. And it's definitely a middle chapter of you know this Daredevil adventure. It's kind of hard to jump into. Yeah, I mean, all it is is really just kind of Black Widow saving Daredevil and then Black Widow and Daredevil fighting the the owl at the very end. And there's there are like B-plots that they could have taken out of this issue or out of this collection because they didn't need them. Uh, but they decided to leave them in anyway, which is weird because, you know, we got just snippets of Avengers issues earlier on in here. We didn't need the full right. issue of this one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to be excited, you know, that we ended on a Daredevil issue because I love Daredevil. But this just being right in the middle of a story. I have a feeling that it would definitely read better if you were if you read the epic collection. So this this issue is collected in Daredevil volume four. So I'm eager to eventually at some point go through the Daredevil issues and uh, see what the context is for this one, because just reading this one off is not that impressive. Right. I do like um, on page 384, page 7 in the comic, is we get uh, Daredevil's radar vision when he's semi-conscious. Just this hazy sort of shape, which is uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, good depiction by, uh, by Gene Colan there. Well, 
we have some bonus pages at the back of this epic collection. There's a uh, um, a pinup that you that they use for the front cover. Uh, this is this is from Amazing Adventures, I think. Um, Great I, pinup. Yeah, it's it's very nice. Deliberate. And then we have a bunch of reproductions of uh, the original art, so you can see a lot of the you know side the the margin notes and uh, things that were changed and such. Uh, they make a special note of one of the the pages from Amazing Adventures number five, which shows Black Widow coming out of the shower. The original art shows that it's a lot more risque than what was a, a yeah. eventually published. So that, the, was a, that was pretty sexy to get past the Comics Code Authority. Well, it didn't get past the Comics yeah, Code didn't. Authority. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's interesting to see that. It's nice that they included those pages there. And, uh, yeah, and I just love seeing these pages because you get a better sense, I think, of the type of the intricate shading of Bill Everett. If you go to uh, Amazing Adventures number five, the original art for page nine, and you just mm-hmm. you just look at, like, the shading on Black Widow's costume, just the the brushwork that was used for that. It's way more fine and way more um, specific and, and graceful than what you see in the finished page once it's gone through the actual, like, you know, screening process and, you know, printing on pages and now it's gone through a restoration as well. Um, but right. you look at this original art and it's like, wow, Bill Everett is an amazing, amazing inker. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't mind essentials even though they, they don't have any colors because you can really notice the beauty of the penciling and the inking. Yeah, it's very cool. Okay, uh, Pierce, thoughts overall on this epic collection, Black Widow Volume 1? Well, it's, it's not going to be my favorite epic collection ever. <laughs> no, the, it's not. <laughs> the first half was really patchy with all these, these orphan bits from Avengers issues, and then, and then the last part just didn't really come together the way it, it should have once we get Black Widow starring in her own features, but I do, I do like watching a character evolve from the first moment onward. I like getting these little moments, these little hints of who she's going to become, like in uh, that Avengers 37 when she she threatened the, the bad guy's life. Yeah. And, you know, we just we get a glimpse of this person is deadly. Yeah, and I agree with you. As far as the content is concerned, it's like, you know, like give or take the fact that this epic collection exists. But I do like the fact that this epic collection exists because it's a good study of of Black Widow. If you're a fan of Black Widow, you, you don't get the same effect of the transition and the evolution of her character if you were just reading the Avengers epic collections. It's nice right. to have all of that filler uh, cut out so we can just focus in on Black Widow and get all of those bits. Um, I still think that they should have included Captain Marvel number 12. They should have. Yep. Uh, but other than that, I this is, you know, this is okay. Uh, it's it's a nice production. The The epic collection is well put together, and the, the, the restoration is nice in all of these because I think they've all gone through the uh, Marvel Masterworks machine, so the restoration looks great. But, uh, yeah, it just... The stories are a little iffy, especially when you get yeah. to the solo adventures at the end there. <laughs> but I am looking forward to volume two. That That's going to have some material in it that I haven't read before. Yeah, that'll be very interesting, too, because it will also be very much a patchwork of different material. It is a, um, a, a serialized story from Marvel uh, Comics Presents, and it's a bunch of graphic novels written by different people. So we get some long-form storytelling, which will be nice, but it'll mm-hmm. be also long-form storytelling from a bunch of different people. Um, if you are interested in the Black Widow's history, right after this collection, you could probably hop over to Daredevil Epic Collection number four, and then as of this recording, these volumes are not out yet, but Daredevil Epic Collection number five and six will also be the, the volumes that contain all of the Black Widow issues because she's on that title for a long time. And then Mm -hmm. after that, she jumps over to the Champions, and there is a Champions complete collection that you could read, and her story continues there. And then after that, you could pick up a a book called Black Widow Team-Up, which just came out recently, which collects a bunch of her late 70s and early 80s appearances um, through things like Marvel Team-Up and Marvel 2-in-1, and also I think Marvel Comics Presents. There's a couple stories there too. 
Uh, and then she, then you would be primed and ready chronologically to jump into the Epic Collection Volume 2. Why they didn't include any of that in between these Epic Collections is beyond me, because we have a huge jump now from 1971 in Volume 1 to, to like, I don't know, 1983 or 84, I think, in wow. Volume 2. Yeah, there's they jump big time. Yeah, they should have done three Epic Collections and just had all that stuff in... Yeah, you could pick up some key moments through the Daredevil stuff, and you could that that Marvel, uh, the Black Widow team up collection could essentially be um, Epic Collection Volume Two, but they decided not to go in that direction. But as far as we're concerned, I think we'll try and do some of these stories in a future episode, right? We'll we'll pick up some of the Daredevil Epic Collections and talk about Black Widow, and um, and maybe we'll treat it like the Avengers, where we just do the excerpts of stuff (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, move on to, to her involvement in the champions and talk about that stuff to try and fill in the gap. Because, you know, if we're going to do Black Widow episodes, we might as well try and be a little bit more chronological with it. Right. We'll just we'll just pick up the slack for the <laughs> for, for Marvel. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, I think that's all we have for today. Uh, if you want, you can check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Look for Epic Marvel Podcast. Also visit my website, epicmarvelpodcast.com, and you can join our Facebook group. Just look for Epic Collections on Facebook, and you'll find our, our fancy, fancy group where a lot of really fun conversation happens all about Marvel's Epic Collections. Thousand strong. Yeah. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to our episode and uh, don't forget to check out the, the first Black Widow episode if you haven't already other than that we'll see everybody next time bye alright bye bye thanks for having me